Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Red Circle, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Also, check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons. you get all of our latest episodes and all the other episodes of the Five Reasons Sports Network. When you do that, also 5reasonsports.com, make sure you spell that one out. We do not have a paywall. You get the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk and others. Plenty of Dolphins content there, too. And check out the great sponsors of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. We always mention this one. It's prize picks. you got to do this now. Football season is starting. Use the code 5, F-I-V-E. Get your initial deposit matched up to $100 when you use that code. Again, it's F-I-V-E, but you've got to use the code. This is our official fantasy sponsor. It's the easiest. It's legal in the state of Florida. It's really cool. And now, tonight's episode. Down the uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got them all banned. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. I am your host, Greg Sylvander. Follow me on Twitter at Greg Sylvander. Ethan Skolnick has the night off. So does Alex Toledo, actually. No, he's on the ones and twos on the production side. But with me on tonight's episode uh, is Brady Hawk. You can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. Tonight's floor plan, we're going to touch on a bit of news that we heard today related to the Miami Heat. News, non-news, I don't know what we're going to call it, but we're going to recap it. Um, so that's where we're going to start this episode. But then. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive on a player that I think is going to have a really uh, integral role with the heat next season, regardless of all the transactions that everybody's waiting on pins and needles for. That is somebody text me um, that there hasn't been a trade since July 9th. And I don't know if that's accurate or not, but it feels accurate. Damn. It's been quiet. Um, but Sorry, I just went off on a tangent there. We're going to get into a player that I think, regardless of what happens in the transaction landscape, is going to be a major contributor for the Miami Heat next season, and that is Max Struess, friend of the program. He's been on Five on the Floor before. Uh, go check in the archives. That uh, interview does exist with Max Struess. Um, great dude to talk to. Uh, so, Max, if you're listening, open invitation to come back on the program. Uh, but we want to just get into kind of his season, what it meant, looking ahead to next season, how he can duplicate and maybe expand upon what he's done, despite the fact that teams kind of know what they're um, up against and just kind of do a deep dive on Max Struess as a player. I think that there's some really interesting stuff um, that Brady Hawk, who's on this broadcast, uh, look, I called it a broadcast, damn, and now I feel old. Um he wrote a great piece on five reasonsports.com. Uh, spell that out, as Ethan says, five reasonsports.com. Uh, the title of the article is Max Struess Preparing for the Overplay. So uh, that is a, a great piece that we're going to dive into later on in the episode. But where we're going to start today is um, the captain, Mr. 305, uh, reportedly tells the Miami Herald, not reportedly, he told the Miami Herald at a charity function of some kind that he's non-committal to next season. 
Um, I think the exact quotes Brady was, I go back and forth, bear with me says, I don't know. We're thinking about it, but either way, I'm always going to be a part of the heat family. I ain't going nowhere, whether I play or not, I'm always going to impact the organization. Hopefully one day we talk about ownership and being in that situation where I continue to be somewhat of a leader, but, but more of a hybrid owner an owner that gets out there and does more than just sit on the sideline, cross his legs and watch. I want to work. I want to continue to push the culture and continue to impact the next generation of winning for the Miami heat. So I love all that. I'm eating all that up. We're having that for breakfast next Sunday and the Sunday after that, that is beautiful stuff. Um, for me, there's just a lot. So this is Haslam, Haslam continuing. I know I'm talking a lot to start this episode. I hate doing that. Let me just get that out of the way too. I'm going to let Brady speak soon. I promise. Haslam also said, for me, there's just a lot going on. I had a lot of things that I had to really, really think about. 20 years was a conversation that I had with my father, but as he passed, we think about now and things change. He's not here no more and goals change. My vision has changed a little bit, but it's still something that I battled with because it's something that we talked about and it's something that we wanted to do in a specific way. So that's, he's talking about reaching that goal of the 20 season mark. Uh, it would be historical because um, it would be all with the same organization. So Brady, when you hear all this and you hear these uh, comments where essentially he's going back and forth on whether he's going to play and we don't know if he's going to play, but he hasn't signed yet. And, and we kind of thought it was a given he was going to be back. What do you make of it? If anything, if I can be brutally honest, I think he will be back. Like, I, I feel like I even texted you earlier when you brought this up and I was like, I feel like we have the same conversation after every season. Like, I feel like even if he used the word non-committal, even if he doesn't use it in past years, I feel like he's always non-committal when he come, enters it. Like after you enter, after, finish up a season, you head into the next one. Uh, I just feel like that's where he's at. And I think he ultimately is probably going to play. And there was another thing that he mentioned before, which was that, uh, 20 years is a conversation I had with my father. And you mentioned the thing about that, where I think he's going to go for the 20 year mark. Like, I feel like more than anything, that's an indicator more than any, than the non-committal word. So I could be totally wrong. Maybe he's kind of done with it and maybe he can move on to the front office position. He's made it clear. He does not want a coaching staff position. Like he's made that clear time and time again. Uh, but if it does end up being the front office, it makes a lot of sense. It'll be that way. If it's this season, the next season after that, or the one after that, like it'll be at some point. But I honestly, even the implications that this is the final roster spot, I kind of feel like it's going to end up with him re-signing just because of all those type of indicators. Uh, and the fact, like I just said, I feel like I've lived this a couple times already in the past few years. Oh, you have. You have. You are <laughs> you are a Udonis Haslam retire or not veteran. And I know that like in heat world, just because by virtue of your age, it's not a knock at you at all. You don't have a lot of historical knowledge. Well, you got a lot of historical knowledge, Brady, as it relates to this topic, because you've seen it play out. What is it now? This has to feel like five years in a row almost. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know about the first 15 as well as you do. I know a lot about the last five. Word, I'll take that subtle shot at my age. That's all good. I saw the gray hair I got. Um, Just to tie a bow on the UD stuff. Um, the heater at 13 players right now. So they're two away from, from what you carry on a full roster 15, right there. The, the thought has been, if they go into the season with this roster and all of our heads explode simultaneously, um, 
that UD would make the 14th player and that they would slide slightly into the tax and then find their way out of it later in the season. But they would be very, very close to being out of the tax is how I understand that. Haslam talked about having lunch with Haywood Highsmith, talked about having lunch with uh, Omer Yurtsevin or working together with those guys. Um, so he's plugged in. Either way, they're, they're going to figure out something there. To me, it wasn't a ton of news other than him um, not announcing that he's back already, which I thought was something we probably would have already kind of heard. Frankly, I kind of thought the roster would be ticked and tied by now, and it's not, um, or it feels like it's not. So, um, so that's one thing. Other bit of news for today before we dive into Max Drews. Uh, it was reported by one, I think it was Mark Stein, but if it wasn't, I'm sorry to, 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 for you to catch. Oh, I'm getting a thumbs up. It was Mark Stein who said that Kevin Durant would potentially consider retiring to not play for the Brooklyn Nets this season. Well, Kevin Durant completely put that stuff to rest. Uh, he tweeted, uh, which truthfully, I got to tell you guys, like, I like what Kevin Durant does on Twitter. Um, I like that he interacts. I know that some people have varying comments about that. I think that it shows a degree of humility to, to talk to people that you don't have to talk to. Um, and I know that it's humility in a bat ass backwards way, because a lot of times he's like hyping himself up, but I just think it's like, you know, coming down and, and mingling amongst the people we'll say. Um, but maybe that's just my weird take of the day, but he said, I know, I know most people will believe unnamed sources over me, but if it's anyone out there that'll listen, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. Shit is comical at this point. That was Kevin Durant two hours ago, uh, on Twitter. So Brady, um, do you perceive it to be, so let's say Kevin Durant's not going to retire, but he's not going to play for the Nets. Is that good? Like if he makes the stance, I'm not playing, I'm not retiring, but I'm not going to play for that franchise ever again. Is that good for Miami? I mean, I would say so. I think that the Nets are basically just lived this in terms of with Kyrie not playing a total different circumstance. And they've, I know there was reports before that they'd rather just have a clean slate over roster than go through what they went through last season. So I feel like at that point, if now you have him kind of disgruntled at the end of your bench or at home watching, you're going to be more in tune to make that trade. The question becomes when you bring in the fact that Miami is that I'm just not sold that the Miami's at the top of that kind of arc, even though he's on the list, it still comes back to the conversation we've had probably on 10 pods to this point of just the package and everything along those lines. So, but in terms of in the box of what like, I think you'd want him to have that, take that stance. Like you want him to say that because if you're also seeing him say that I don't want to play for Brooklyn, he'll say, I don't want to play for this team or that team or this team. So that limits teams in general. So now you're down to, not just I'm not just saying Miami or Phoenix, which is probably not Phoenix now anyway. I think he'd be willing to probably play for the Bostons and the Phillies and all the top teams and the Memphises. Uh, but that's a limited grouping of teams. So now it's you're not competing with the rest of the NBA for Kevin Durant. You're competing with a handful of teams at the top of each conference. So I think it makes things better for Miami. I just don't know how legit it'll be when it comes to that point. But I do believe it'll get to that point. Like we talked about this before, but like I just can't see the fact that he just basically – blackmailed the GM and the coach and he's just going to walk into training camp and, and dap up Steve Nash in the way. And like, there's just no way that's possible. So uh, if you're the Nets, I feel like you're going to have to move him because I feel like you want to move on from this whole situation. So I guess if you're Miami, you, you want this to happen. And 
as much as he's, he's kind of denied the report about him retiring, like that's obviously a little drastic, but I think there's some truth to it. Like if, if we look into it, like, I feel like there's truth to that statement that he's, he was probably like exaggerating the fact that how much he does not want to play for the yeah. Brooklyn Nets. Like that's where the they truth took it literal. In. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was done. I was. <laughs> oh, word, word, word. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I agree with you that it was probably taken out of context, if ever even said at all. Text messages and the way that the information travels in this league is, is crazy. So, um, but Kevin Durant clarified for us all. And he, he said that it was, um, he said, shit is comical. And I feel like, okay, well, now it's getting funny, but you know where it gets after funny? It goes and it gets ugly. So I feel like the fact that he even responded to something related to the game of basketball on Twitter in this way, like current events, not like his legacy and the stuff that those roads that he, he goes down with fans and stuff like that. Like he's talking about his situation right now. The fact that he addressed it in any shape or form on Twitter recently to me tells me that something is moving and coming to a head. And as it relates to the heat, I'm just going to say this. I struggle with the idea that Tyler hero has yet to receive his extension. Udonis Haslam is not signed. Um, they never replaced PJ Tucker at all. And they essentially like had no transactions and they're in a position where they're just doing nothing. Like they haven't finished the off season. So to me that lingering this long and with Kevin Durant remaining available, they said that they came out and they said, I liked it, that they liked the team. And I understand that. But how long do these guys go throughout this summer kind of on eggshells, feeling like what is happening? Is this team going to come together and play together or is it going to be broken up? Um, I wonder how the players are feeling and how you remember when they came out and said, we're out of the James Harden stuff. That was to preserve the locker room, preserve the integrity of that group, being able to look each other in the eye and say, OK, these are dudes that I'm actually going to play with. Um, saying we like the team did not fan, it fanned the flames. It didn't put them out. And I think the more Kevin Durant is available and the uglier he makes it, the more compelled Miami is to step up and do something in this circumstance, because I just feel like you're getting in a scenario where you're either going to have to make a firm declaration to your guys that they're your guys in a way that you don't want to commit and you would be disingenuous to, or you got to make a move. And so that's what I'm interesting to watch. It's like a, a really ugly game chicken that I didn't expect this summer. It's not been a fun summer. Uh, it's forced the media to go in a million different directions with all these different reports. There's ridiculous leaks. Luckily, if you have a leak, water leak, you can't find it. You don't know where it's coming from. You're dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business. Call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There's no need to bring in any other contractors. 
They will handle the entire project start to finish. Servicing areas including Miami, Broward, Palm Beach. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell. That's 954-579-0356. That's Water Cleanup of Florida. You can visit their website at wcufl.com. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram. You know they're on Twitter. Water Cleanup of Florida. If you got the schmutz, they have the guts. All right. That's enough of current events. Brady, let's talk Max Struess. Um, I'm going to be honest. When I saw this headline post on the, on the website, I, I, <laughs> and I know you got this comment from others, I thought you said preparing for the overpay. And I was like, man, Brady is writing this type of content. What has this offseason done to us? What are we becoming here? Um, but nah, then I obviously did a double take. It's absolutely great work. Um, so commend you on that shout out um, to this article, but I, I think it's a really relevant topic because he's one of the few guys on a, on the type of salary that I think will stick in Miami this upcoming season, uh, low cost, high um, usage type players, guys that can really contribute and they don't cost a ton, I guess is what I'm saying, but this is the interesting thing with him. We all just witnessed what happened to Duncan Robinson after his banner coming out party type season and the contract that came with it, um, although we're a year away from that with Max Struess, which I, I think is important, we saw what teams did to Duncan to snuff him out to a degree, and it kind of worked a little bit. It felt like it worked. And so we're all a little, I feel like there's trepidation amongst Heat fans to be all in on Max Struess because of what just happened with Duncan Robinson. So first off, talk a little bit about what you saw when you started reviewing Max Struess film um, in terms of like how he could counter some of what's going to come and just your overall takeaways uh, when evaluating Max Struess heading into this upcoming season. Let's just start up at the top. Yeah. To say the truth, what sparked this was when we were doing the Kyle Lowry episode, I started looking through some stats and I was like, I wonder what some of the top duos were just in pure offense, like what was working. So I started looking through it, minimum 400 minutes in the regular season. And the first one was Max Struess and Bam out of bio. That makes sense. Like it's Bam and a shooter. We've seen that combo with Duncan over time. I move on to the second one. And I see Struess and Jimmy and I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of a trend, but maybe, you know, Jimmy and Struess have a good relationship off the floor. Then it's that three, it's Max Struess and Tyler Hero. Like not counting defense. It makes sense. Like two really good offensive players. And then number four, Max Struess and Kyle Lowry, like it, every single offensive stat, like really led in his direction. I'm not saying these uh, type of offensive rating led numbers are, are the full tell in terms of lineups, uh, but it kind of tells you because even in past pods we've done, we've like kind of thrown him in the mix where we say like, oh, if you put Max on the floor with this guy, <laughs> it, it makes things works. a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> it just always works in general when we talk about that. So then uh, – I feel like it's really relevant because we keep talking about the Duncan Robinson as an asset because of what just happened, like what just occurred uh, with him as a shooter. What happened was he was under the radar. He played really well. I, I don't want to undercut him in that sense. Like he was one of the most prolific shooters in the NBA, but what we saw last season was that uh, he was just kind of taken out of things because first of all, which I think does not relate to Max Schroes, they were a little bit more physical with him, first of all, which I don't think you can be, kind of out physical Max Struess in that way, because I feel like he's a pretty physical guy in, in general off the ball. Uh, but it was interesting because he was on 
the scouting reports. And that's the big difference here. Like being put on the scouting reports is a lot different than playing next to Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and just being the catch and shoot guy uh, just on the wing or the corner. The difference was when I was looking into stuff, first of all, was that they, they're, we always compare them and they just act like Max Struess and Duncan were the same player. Like, I feel like everybody's always going to do that. But the more you look into stuff, like they really go about things differently, just in the way of their shooting, the way they shoot in different elements. Uh, I first looked at it. It's funny because he does a drill in practice all the time where he goes through the handoffs, just back and forth through the handoffs. Duncan, when he does handoffs, right after he catches the ball on a handoff off a screen, he fires. Like, imagine a Bam Duncan dribble handoff. He's always at the shoulder of Bam Adebayo. That's just yeah. what he does. Max Struess, on the other hand, he'll dribble two times and he'll try to lose that extra defender. There's there's positives to both for sure. Uh, but you're kind of in that sense when you're Max Struess doing it that way. You're when that defender's flying at you as a high level shooter, you give them one little move and they're totally out of the picture because their momentum's carrying the opposite way. That's what he did a ton of this past season. When you look through it, like every handoff he's not, and he's not a main handoff guy like Duncan at all. He's utilized more off the ball, slip screen. If if he's setting a screen, it's a slip. Uh, Like all of those elements were much different. Uh, But the way this kicks in is that, okay, if they start guarding up on him much more, they're worried about him. They know he even made a joke. I know, but during this toward the end of last season where he was saying, they don't need, they didn't know how to pronounce my name before. Now they actually are, are knowing who I am on the floor. Like that's what this is kind of getting to. So I think of how is he going to have counters? Like the main counter is, and we talked a lot about this with Duncan. I remember probably three years ago. And so now I kept saying he needs like a, a one dribble pull up mid range. Like if he can master that, it takes a lot of pressure off of him. If he has that mid range pull up, I don't think that's Max Struess, but I think Struess is, much better as an, like an off-ball mover. When you look at some of the stuff, uh, I think he can kill them off back cuts and, and kind of get them off his back in that way. But then it starts looking into how can he do it as a shooter. I'll say the one thing, he, it's much different in the way where uh, he's a tough shot maker, like, and he's not afraid to shoot. Like I, We know about Duncan at times could have passed it, like if they got a little close and he'd re- go through the dribble handoff again. Struess does not care. Like, and, and you could look at that as a good thing or a bad thing sometimes. But he does not care one bit. He doesn't care what the score is, what game he's in, what, what the pressure is, or what the defender is looking like. He's going to shoot over the top of you. And I think that's a positive thing when you look at it in this sense, when they're more kind of on him in that way. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see the way he handles it, because I think it's really important. Uh, I was also looking at some of the, st- the numbers with him uh, when he would shoot off of just no dribbles, when he would shoot and basically just catch and shoot immediately. He's, he averaged six and a half triples last season. And 5.4 of those he shot without dribbling, which makes sense. He's a catch-and-shoot guy. But it makes you think, what were those other one a game? Like, one shot a game is pretty big to not – to kind of add in a dribble or something. And it's basically, when you start looking into it, it's basically exactly what he does on a dribble handoff. Like, he has, like, that little one dribble sidestep that he has. And I think that is something that's going to be probably expanded on as we speak. Like, that's something that's being worked on. That's something that they know he can add to his bag because – it's all about with shooters just trying to find comfort and comfort zones. And as much as uh, it's kind of spot up guys are good with no dribbles and shooting, that's a comfort zone for him is that little one dribble sidestep. And that's something that can provide space. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how we can go about it. I think there's more ways for him to go kind of find space if they do focus on him. But there also needs to be the sense where it's relevant to say, 
they're going to be focusing on him, but he's also going to be sharing the floor a lot of the times with Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. So, like, we have to also bring that into account. Like, as much as they're going to be focusing on him, we, we had this conversation a little bit with Duncan, so I don't want to go too far into it, but he could be the decoy at times. At times, yeah. he could just be a decoy and let the other guys roam with the gravity that we've heard about. Uh, but when he could start adding these type of counters in, as a young guy that's on his contract year, like this is the year where a lot of these undrafted guys from Miami always kind of earn their money. And maybe I'll change the title to <laughs> preparing for the overpay at that point. Uh, but it could get to that point if he kind of adds this type of stuff in. Uh, it's funny you went there because, um, well, one, just because I know how Heat fans are and they're so nervous about like what every player gets paid that I know that they all read that headline the same way that I did. Um, which is funny. And then this that this always circles back to Duncan Robinson. Um, and, and I couldn't agree with you more that like Max Struess and Duncan Robinson are not the same type of players. I, I don't think, I think that what's exciting about Max going into his contract year. So it's kind of like the Duncan breakout year. And that was what I was alluding to at the beginning of the Max Struess discussion, like his all out, like, let's have my best season ever to really get paid year is this upcoming season. So like, I think that that, it just always, it, it, there's an, there's an influence there. There's a, a carrot being dangled uh, that they can't, you just can't deny that you go for it in ways that maybe you just don't in other seasons. So I expect that to be huge for Max Struess, but um, here's the question I'll ask. Uh, and we're going to shout out a sponsor before we uh, close shop on Max Struess. Duncan Robinson, um, in his breakout season, if I remember correctly, uh, averaged a shade over eight three-pointers a game. If you were playing on prize picks and uh, you had an over-under on his three-point attempts for the following season and you set it at eight and you went over, you would have not won your money on prize picks. Watch where I'm going here. Max Struess was at six and a half three-point attempts, Brady. Does he go over or under that next season? That's a really interesting question. And I, my first gut thought is I think he probably goes under just because wow. I'm also thinking about the team. And I think that there's going to be shots distributed in different ways. Now that you add Victor Oladipo into the picture in the regular season. So you're getting shots for Depot, Tyler, Jimmy, bam. There's a lot of shots to go around, extra shots to go around. Uh, and it kind of kicks into the fact of this, what I was just talking about is if he's seeing more tension, maybe it's not at that level where he's able to just get clean looks all the time. So, and when I say under, like, I think if he, he just averaged six and a half, I'm thinking like seven, seven and a half. Like I think, you'd be very good at the prize pick setting the number at, over there because I think that's a really valuable number because I think it would be around there. Like, I think it'd be around seven, seven and a half this season. Uh, and with the way he played, I'd add in the fact that he was one of the best high volume, like efficiency shooters in the league last season. And yeah. we've heard that before, but it was Desmond Bain who was like, had a ridiculous season. Like Desmond Bain was like top by like by a couple percentage points, but Max Schuess was right behind him. Like, in second place, basically, I know Luke Kennard was there, but he, when I was looking through like certain amount of games, he wasn't really at that kind of point. But that was but like minimum that, six attempts or so, or six and a half. What did you have the minimum? I think at? it was six, six and a half attempts. Yeah. So, and that's like about 50 players. So, this is he was a very efficient this season. So, I don't even think it's always going to be about the attempts. Like, when you look at it like that, like 
he's always going to have the green light. And like I said, he's not going to have a problem with getting the ball up. Like he will never have that problem because he can get the shot up no matter what he's shown that. I just think not to go off track, but I think about in that game seven of the Eastern conference finals, which we hate to bring up, but under like a minute to go when he hits some crazy wing three fading, like, Oh, I've watched it a few times. It was unbelievable to watch. Like that's what I imagine. Like he just can get the ball up there. And and I even think back to his first Miami Heat game when I remember people on Twitter were talking about how awful he was. Like because yeah. he he was hitting the side of the backboard. He's still got like a ton of shots up that game. Yeah. Like that is Max Schrus. So we'll never have to worry about that. Like to compare that. Uh, so I think we don't have to worry about that. But I still think if I had to bet on it, I think I'd go under eight. See, I'm, I'm going over. I feel like he's going to have a huge season from three because they're going to have so many stars around him that all he's going to need to do is shoot threes. Uh, speaking of all this over-under talk and prize picks, do want to give a shout-out to our official daily fantasy sponsor here at Five Reason Sports and Five on the Floor. Uh, that's prizepicks.com. It is the easiest and fastest way to play daily fantasy sports on the planet. Pick over or under on player props to win up to 10 times your cash. Here's the key, though. You got to use the code 5, F-I-V-E, to double your initial deposit up to $100. Again, that's prize picks. Download the app. Use the uh, the goprizepicks.com on your um, computer. They're great. Either way, um, super intuitive, easy to use. A lot of fun, especially as we get ready for uh, NFL season. There's no NBA futures, but that's where this Max Struess three-point shot would be if there was uh, such a prop. But check out Prize Picks code five F I V E to double your initial deposit. All right, um, let's so let's finish this here. Uh, we're only going to go a minute or so. Heat fans are going to be worried that he's going to get overpaid the way Duncan Robinson did. And I feel like Max Struess does enough other things that he's going to be able to warrant, not maybe as much uh, uh, as high a salary as Duncan Robinson. Cause I think maybe they learned their lesson that way or as long a contract, but a, a really respectable deal because he's not just a, a, a specialist, so to speak, Brady, am I being, biased when I say that at all. Um, I am a Max Struess fan. I will admit that. Um, am I being biased? Is he more one-dimensional than I am giving him credit for? And should we worry that he could potentially be a guy that Miami would be forced to overpay to keep? Now, this is some stuff we don't got to worry about the next summer. So that's why I said we're only taking a minute here. But I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on kind of what you think his trajectory is career-wise in the league. Um, like, that that's just where I'd like to close with you, just your idea for Max Struess in the future. I think the contract, not to be a cop but I think it depends a lot on this season. Like, I really do. Uh, you mentioned the word one-dimensional, and I think that's where this comes into play because – even when we keep having these starting lineup conversations or different lineup combinations, Max Schuess held up defensively. Like he really did. Like he held his ground. He's not going to be a guy that can cover up for, let's say in the, the if Lowry starts to break down and, and Tyler's in that lineup and maybe he won't cover up, but he can be a kind of net defender. Like, I think that's kind of where you're at. And at that point, I don't think you're one dimensional. It depends on what he adds, I guess, this off season in terms of, uh, like we, what we keep talking about is the counters. Like if he does that type of stuff, teams will value that. And uh, the thing becomes usually like 
Gabe Vincent's on the same wavelength in terms of contract. Like he's somebody that can be very, very, very valuable to bad teams that have money. Like that's just a player that teams could potentially overplay over, not overplay, overpay. Uh, Max Struess is kind of a guy that plugs into a good team, like, or yeah. at least a middle of the pack team. He's not a guy that the, the bottom of tier wizards or Kings should be throwing money at, because I just don't think he moves the needle in that way or makes sense. Uh, so maybe they get it on decent value. Uh, but I definitely think it has a lot. It depends also a lot on what the roster looks like. I feel like at the end I know, of the, I'm season, asking the next you questions. season, I apologize. I'm no, I'm just saying, questions. because you can't kind of say that you're going to pay this guy a ton of money. If your just team is still at that point, full of nine guards at a rotation level guards, right. like that, that's when it gets a little weird, but I think, if you could get him on decent value and he shows this season and kind of project forward and you say that he became a net defender and he can kind of hold up on that end while also kind of expanding his offensive game, it's hard to have this conversation again because I know nobody wants to, to say the thing, but like nobody's going to want to make that mistake again. Like nobody wants to pay a specialist again to go through that. Like I feel like we, like the James Johnson, Tyler Johnson stuff, they say they learned their lesson. So like, I feel like at this point, did they learn their lesson? Does things look differently for Max Struess because he expands on it? I guess we'll figure that all out. Uh, and I wanted to add in at the end, in the playoffs this season, he averaged 7.9 three-point attempts. So I'd still be under there Ooh. on prize picks. But Ooh. it's just points to the fact that that is pretty wild, though, in terms of when we were talking about shot attempts. In the playoffs, he got eight a game, eight three-point attempts a game. I'm going over on eight on prize picks. Use the code five. <laughs> It could go either way. It, it, it literally could go either way. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.